0: Hannah. and i'm samantha and you're listening to
1: reaper tales
0: and today i'm going to tell samantha about something that i didn't tell her i was going to tell her about because we <laughs> thought this episode was going to be about something else um surprise let's <laughs> <laughs> get the title of it's going to be a twofer because i'm going to tell you about two different unsolved cases here in north carolina but originally. I was going to cover something else. I finished all of my research and I went back to edit my notes about an hour and a half ago just to make sure everything looked good. And I realized I was getting really upset and really angry. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be like effective. So I'm not going to do it this week. So I just pulled like other stuff I'd already researched and combined it. <laughs> so, okay, hey, that works. I'm I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, well, I'm eventually- nothing if not flexible to life's chaotic mess.
0: Yeah, <laughs> eventually I will cover that information. It's just it, it's a hard subject. And I didn't think I could effectively like cover it right now because literally I was reading through it like the whole time I was researching I was like crying to And then I was reading through it and I was like starting to tear up and I was like, oh, this is not great. No, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. So here we are. Yeah. DJ, I'm going to give you a twofer, but before we get started, Samantha, what are we drinking? I'm drinking
1: water. I'm drinking water um, <laughs> because we did this t- two hours, an hour early, earlier than we had planned, and um, I just got off work, so water it is. I'll save the wine for later with dinner.
0: Yeah, and I just got done with a killer migraine yesterday, so... I'm going to stick with water for a couple of days. Probably a good call. Yeah. Hydrate. Yeah. Anyway, so the first story I'm going to tell you, but if anybody wants to drink at home, feel free. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not suffering from a migraine, like, that's great. Uh, Kudos to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Lucky you (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm appreciating it right now because I'm not the one with the migraine. It's usually the other way around. So yeah. I feel for you. You know I know how it is. So
0: And it's so funny. It's like I've never had migraines in my life. And I just recently started getting them. And I know they're migraines because, like, I'm so nauseous. And it's so, like, even now I have, like, this spot right here. I'm just like, it could come back. Like, it mm-hmm. could come back. Uh anyway. I know it well. If if anybody has any recommendations on how to treat my
1: case. Careful about asking that question. I don't even ask for recommendations. I just talk about mine and I get all kinds. I'm like, yeah, tried that, tried that, tried that, tried that. None of them worked. Thanks though.
0: I just laid in a dark room all night and barely slept. But whatever. Essential
1: oils can help, I will tell you that. Peppermint oil, because it does the tingle thing on the temple especially if it's on one side in the temple that helps
0: yeah i might try that we'll see Uh, tips
1: and tricks
0: (laughs) before we get started i did want to ask you did you see um did you see the article or any of that information about the mothership no apparently the pentagon released um some kind of like research or whatever that says that there's a potential for a mothership inside of our solar or our like solar system or whatever that might be sending probes to the earth.
1: <laughs> All right. It's about time. They just came out with it. How long have they known?
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because I was like, this can't be like real. This can't be real. And for anybody listening that hasn't seen it, it's not, not real, but it's also not real. Was, <laughs> I, I looked into it cause I was like, this is, No.
1: (laughs) So it's not straight up satire.
0: Yeah. But. Apparently this researcher like did a whole like research thing on it that basically says there is a potential that this is occurring. But there's no evidence of it actually occurring. I did want to ask you about that.
1: Because. That basically said nothing. Yeah. It it was basically like. It could happen. We're not saying it is. But we're not saying it isn't. But it definitely could happen. Yeah. Oh, it thanks could for clearing that up. Be happening. Appreciate it. Yeah, cool. I don't cool cool cool. Cool, cool,
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to ask you about that. I thought it was aliens and I thought it was imminent that they were coming to get me because obviously
1: Um, What other human would they want? Why wouldn't they want somebody currently suffering from terrible migraines, uh, amazing anxiety, and ADHD all at the same time? (laughs) Oh, don't forget debilitating seasonal depression. (laughs) Let's
0: go for that one. Oh, she's a great candidate. I'd let them prove me any day. Anyway, please don't don't isolate that soundbite. That would be great.
1: Are you telling yourself?
0: anyone who listens to this anyway <laughs> so my first story for you today or my first case for you today and neither one of these cases have anything to do with the other one except for they're both unsolved and they're both about young women or sorry one of them's a young child and I know that we've said we won't cover like children cases and I think a lot of that has, has to do with like us not we're not covering like infant cases where an infant dies or like a very very small child and we're not covering them when they are the criminal for specific reasons that we're not going to tell you but anyway
1: this one health reasons being one of them that's
0: yeah that's one big one but today uh i'm going to tell you about donna marie Mel. Um, She was a 15-year-old sophomore at Havelock High School. Donna had two older brothers and lived with their mother, who was a stay-at-home mother, and their Marine Corps father. According to Dateline, Donna was a bubbly, blonde-haired 15-year-old. She was outgoing and fun-loving, but didn't care much for makeup or dresses. Instead, she preferred to wear cut-off shorts and wasn't afraid to get dirty. She right. seems like me.
1: <laughs> Get in the garden. <laughs> on June 16th,
0: 1975, Donna was hanging out at the American Service Station and Grill, also known as Grice's Grill, on US 70 in Newport. And just to like um, coordinate kind of like where I live and so everybody can kind of <laughs> pinpoint like me that. or my in-laws, uh, this is actually close to where my in-laws live.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, And if I bring up Havelock to my husband, I'm sure he can tell me all about it because that's in the same area where he grew up. So, yeah. The store located on a stretch of highway between the marine bases and the beaches had an arcade and a pool table. It was a popular hangout for teenagers at that time. During that time, during the, okay, and just to preface this, At the time, in 1975, Donna had a cousin who sometimes lived with them, and her name was Beverly. Okay. But during that time that Beverly stayed with Donna, she had never been to this store. She told Dateline that her and Donna spent most of their time at home watching movies or shopping at the local mall. But once Beverly was back home, Donna started spending most of her time with a new boyfriend and a new crowd, which Beverly referred to as the wrong
1: crowd. Hmm. By the way, you saying that you hung out at the mall and shopped, it was really telling of the time period. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody says that anymore.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, even during like my time, we didn't really hang out at the mall.
1: Oh, it was the place to go when I was a teenager. I mean, you'd gather in the food court, get something to eat, and then leave your parents.
0: Well, I In rural, well, I guess you did too.
1: It was a special trip to go to the mall, don't get me (laughs) wrong.
0: It definitely was. We always hung out in like parks and stuff like that, so I don't know. There wasn't a lot going on in that area. My life was boring. Um, anyways, on the Da, da, da. On the evening. I'm sorry. I'm
1: very distracted. My cat is behind me and I have the box that my sound panels were in and I just have it open because I don't have them permanently hung yet. They're just mm-hmm. kind of haphazardly put up to try to help the sound today. And she's like walking so slowly all over the box and smelling it. It's just cracking me up.
0: Well, I was about to say.
1: Um... So you might hear a bell tingling in the background. Let me guess which one it is. Is it Harley? <laughs> it's Harley. It's always Harley, yeah. <laughs> it's always Harley. Well, she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't, uh, stay far away from me either. So no, yeah, no, she I can't even hear meowing. So you might hear a little meow in the background too.
0: That's fine. That's your ambiance. Yeah, uh, that, That's it. Listeners. So on the evening of June 16th, 1975, Donna's mother, Emily, called the store around eight thirty PM and told Donna to come home. Witnesses at the store saw Donna leave after the call and walk to a path that was a shortcut through the woods. This wasn't unusual for Donna either. She often times took this route home even at night. Made it home completely safe. Mm -hmm. However, Donna did not make it home that night. After she didn't show up back home, Donna's mother, Emily, immediately began a, a search and reported Donna missing to the Newport police. Donna's younger brother also told Emily, his mother, their mother, that he had seen his sister enter the path that led through the woods that night and that an unidentified man followed her. That report prompted police to set up roadblocks the next day and begin a search for Donna. The following day, the search continued, and by that afternoon, it came to a halt. Donna had been found in a drainage ditch on Easy Street across from her home. So she, like... Almost made it home, I think. Maybe. And I say maybe because the police told the family at the time they believed she had been killed in a different location and placed in the ditch. Oh. But I don't... It doesn't... Like, to me, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Why would somebody remove somebody from the middle of the woods, take them somewhere and kill them, and then take them to a ditch across from their house like
1: unless they wanted them to be found
0: yeah but that is an assumption that means that the killer knows who they are so yeah and they know them enough to know where they live and like wouldn't you like just you would toss a body somewhere where it would i guess be fair i don't know i'm not a body tosser
1: But it just, I mean, I guess it depends on the motive and it's hard to know that without knowing who did it and why. But I mean, it could go two different ways if that's the belief. then the belief is that they intentionally dumped the body where it could be found for whatever the reason, but they wanted it to be found rather than left out. Maybe there was, it was somebody they knew and they cared enough that they didn't want the body to be destroyed um, in some twisted way. Or like you said, maybe they're just flat out wrong and it wasn't done elsewhere and it was there. Well, hang on.
0: <laughs> now that we've released all the kittens from the room. they <laughs> <laughs> probably I, still make noise. That's It's fine. I mean, I have one dog in here. The other one is uh, I don't know, probably in the bedroom. Um, my thought was kind of like maybe the police said it like that so the family didn't feel some type of way that she was just right outside their house
1: I mean that would that would be like devastating so I get yeah, that
0: that she was like there overnight mm-hmm. but I don't I don't like like I said I don't know police said that 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 was their theory was that somebody killed her somewhere else and then dropped her in that ditch across from the house in any case she was found and according to police chief Charles Uh, R. Tomlinson Donna had been strangled but not sexually assaulted and this is kind of an important distinction when we kind of get into theories in a minute in the weeks after Donna's murder police questioned more than a hundred people including her mother who Beverly said passed the polygraph test but no arrests were made and this is kind of like the case kind of like doesn't plateau it takes like a wild turn so hold on to your butts for a minute
1: okay I'll do my best
0: um police did have a primary suspect in the murder of Donna in fact it's probably someone that you know and if you don't know him then you definitely know the other person who was actually imprisoned wrongly for a crime that this man committed This man's name is Gregory Allen. Oh, yep. And he may sound familiar because there is a very popular Netflix series called Making a Murderer about Stephen Avery, who was initially sentenced to 32 years in prison for a sexual assault that he didn't commit. Gregory Allen actually did. And uh, to refresh, to refresh anyone out there who hasn't watched it recently or has never watched it in late July, 1985, a 36- <clears> 36, <coughs> a 36 year old woman named Penny Ann Berntonson. I think that's how you, yeah, Beertinson? Yeah. Beertinson, was sexually assaulted along the shoreline of Lake Michigan According to the University of Michigan Law School's Registry of Exonerations, following the attack that left her choked and unconscious, incorrect. and if I'm saying that wrong, like, don't come at me. You're doing your best. She incorrectly identified her assailant as Avery, who bore a remarkable resemblance to her actual attacker, Allen, Despite the 16 alibi witnesses who testified that on Avery's behalf, he was put behind bars after a state forensic serologist testified that the hair consistent with Bernton's. Ber- God, I can't say it! Anne had been found on Avery's clothing. After his multiple attempts at appeals failed, the Wisconsin Innocence Project at the University of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Crime Laboratory were able to conduct DNA testing of that hair that was found at the crime scene. They found that the hair belonged to uh, Gregory Allen, not Stephen Avery, and Stephen had his charges dismissed and was released from prison in 2003. Police were able to pinpoint Alan because he was already serving a 60 year prison term for a sexual assault that took place after the one committed against Anne.
1: So and, there's a pattern.
0: Yeah. Just to also let anyone out there know, Stephen Avery later went back to prison for murder of Teresa Hallback, which is what the show making a murder is all about. And I would highly recommend watching it it's it's got a great representation of coerced confessions and from a child, no less. so give give that a watch. And I, I'm not gonna give my opinion on whether Stephen Avery is actually guilty of uh, Teresa Hallback's murder. I don't truly know, but I don't believe in my opinion on that whole case, like I don't believe that there was sufficient truthful evidence given in that case and that's that's all i'll say about it did you ever watch it
1: yeah i watched the whole thing
0: what are your opinions
1: you're not going to give yours, but you're going to ask me mine. No, no,
0: like I'm saying like, <laughs> that I don't believe saying. like the state had truthful.
1: No, I think it was another case where you, all they had was the confession and they built the evidence around the confession instead of it being the other way around where they found the evidence and used it to confirm the confession was real um, and coerce, nonetheless. So, um, yeah, I don't I think it's another case like there have been so many where we have confessions and then the evidence being built around that said confession only later to find out that that evidence sure it corroborated with this confession who oh no now we know it's coerced it wasn't actually a real confession he didn't give any actual factual information that wasn't known to other people you know we've just seen so many of these cases come up about those exact situations and i think this this was one of the first ones i think if i remember correctly that came out and really made a big show of it and mm-hmm. since then we've had quite a few um i think them was it the memphis three um yes they were working on it at the time but i don't think they had released it until after
0: uh yeah i don't remember when they released it um uh... But yeah, but yeah it's, I think same. it's just
1: along the same vein of, of the other ones. And, and it's unfortunate. I'm not downplaying it at all. Unfortunately, this wasn't uncommon. Well, I wouldn't say uncommon or common. It is definitely not an isolated incident. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. And in that case, um, Steven Avery had been wrongfully imprisoned for
1: once I, already.
0: Well, yeah. And it was for like 13 years or something like that. Like, or maybe 18 i can't remember what it's how long it was but it was a significant amount of time and he had a case against the state for wrongful imprisonment and i do believe he won that and so law enforcement i also believe were kind of after him feeling some type of way about that whole situation so he also had like people at his back door ready to see him mess up in any case and, like, I'm saying, I don't know if he did it or not. right? But I don't believe they had sufficient evidence. And that's it. Anyways, off of Stephen Avery, because that's not what this is about, um, <clears throat> we'll get back to Gregory Allen. And this dude is fucked city. Like, he's bad news bears. Prior to the assault on um and Allen's rap sheet had already caught the attention of police he had been convicted three times for violent and drug-related felonies the milwaukee journal sentinel originally reported fearing that he was likely to so police were fearing that he was likely to commit sexual offenses they authorized daily surveillance of gregory just 12 days before the attack on ann took place Daily surveillance. Though police eventually upped the visits to 14 times per day, they were only allowed one check-in on Gregory at that time per day. After the assault took place, Gregory, uh, Gregory Allen's records showed that he was suspected or convicted of an additional 10 crimes, ranging from peeping in windows to sexual assault. So just this, like, continual pattern
1: of, like, Sexual assault. That's just I don't understand how these situations come up where we see patterns upon patterns upon patterns. And they always continue to escalate. They they never de-escalate. They never just go away unless the person either goes to prison or is killed. So like I I guess maybe we're doing something about it now, but why did it take so long? Because it's very evident that this is it's a pattern thing. And it just continues to escalate until yeah. they're eventually caught or killed, like I said, yeah,
0: exactly. And I mean, obviously, police were aware of it enough to put surveillance on him once a day, but like, he still got away with another s- sexual assault and more
1: well, I mean, I'm sure he knew he was being watched,
0: yeah, oh i'm I'm sure it's just ugh, it's so frustrating. I'm anyway. Fuck this dude. He's a terrible guy. But how does a man from Wisconsin end up being the primary suspect in the murder of a North Carolina
1: teen? That's what I was going to ask.
0: Well, I'll tell (laughs) you. After learning that he had been seen near Donna's house the day before she was killed, investigators considered a man named Gregory Allen to be a potential suspect in her murder. A member of the Marine Corps, he had been stationed in Cherry Point, North Carolina at the time of Donna's murder. Tiger, hey, hey! I'm going to throw a shoe at you. <laughs> um, he was also known to hang out at, at uh, Grice's Grill. So the same place where Donna hung out. It was possible that he was the man who followed her into the woods and he was seen with scratches on his forearm shortly after her death. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was questioned Hmm. by detectives, but denied having any knowledge of Donna's murder. Duh. With no physical evidence leaking him to the crime, police were unable to file any charges against him. And guess what? Not long after they talked to him, he fucking skadoodled all the way back to Wisconsin. I bet. (laughs) Where he continued to sexually assault and victimize women and young girls. Anyway, according to records provided to Dateline by the Manitowoc County Sheriff's Office in Wisconsin, detectives received information that led them to believe that Gregory was involved in the killing of a teenage girl in Newport, North Carolina, in 1975. The records indicated that Allen was questioned again about his potential involvement with Donna's murder, but he was uncooperative, so they couldn't keep him. So they questioned him again. But okay. great. Yeah. Gregory is currently serving a prison sentence. Um, for a 1995 sexual assault and kidnapping case in Brown County. There's another one. And he will be. So this is a, actually a 60 year sentence. From what I could see. It says in this article that he is eligible for parole October, 2021, according to the Wisconsin departments for corrections. However, I looked at, even though he's eligible for parole, that doesn't mean that he's going to get it. And I looked it up and this fucker's still in prison. So hallelujah, they're doing something right.
1: Once. Oh, for now. <laughs>
0: for now. However, Donna's cousin Beverly has a different theory on what happened to her that night. She believes that Donna fell in with the, again, wrong crowd and was killed for seeing something she shouldn't have. She told Dateline, uh, she recalls, a story Donna told her about drugs that were buried by some of the people in her crowd. The location of the drugs was right near the ditch where Donna's body was found. So. Wow. Yeah, that's another one. Donna's case is now being handled by the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigations, the SBI. Public Information Director Anjanette Grub told Dateline that Donna's case is an active investigation and anyone with information should call the SBI. Anyone with information that may help solve Donna's case is asked to call the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation at 919 662 Four five zero zero, and we'll list that in the show notes um, for this. And all of, obviously, all of my resources. I didn't go over it because I have two cases, and that's way too many resources to cover at the top of the show. Anyways, so oh. I said, okay, yeah. So I said I had two cases for you. So Donna was the first one, and now I want to tell you about. The unsolved murder of Sue Evans. And again, neither of these cases have anything to do with each other. This was a frantic me pulling shorter stories and combining them to tell one long story. So we had enough information.
1: Well, maybe we can do this somewhat regularly because we do have a lot of stories. I mean, we've even talked about that where we just don't have enough information for a full episode. Mm -hmm. So Maybe we can do something like this. Yeah. Here and there.
0: Um, yeah, I would agree. Cause like some of these, especially when it comes to like, um, black indigenous and other people of color, like cases, there's not a lot of information on those. Yeah. And so like combining those could make it a bit longer. Um, cause typically we want to keep it under an hour, right around an hour. Those ones that go like an hour and a half listeners we're fucking done by the end of it. Like we don't want to talk to each other for like a month. It's terrible.
1: Unfortunately, we have to meet again in a week. So we try not to do that to you or ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's true. Cause by the time we get by the time Look, we get done. By the time, we're- time it's an hour
1: and a half for you guys, it's been two hours of me trying least. to get Montana back on track. And it's it's exhausting, y'all. I'm at I'm least. tired
0: i'm sorry i'm so glad you stick it out with me because i would i would drive myself fucking nuts that so oh my god oh, oh my god so Just much you. i know anyway so back to sue lynn sue lynn was born april 1st 1944 she was a it's an oldie but a goodie she was originally from mooresville north carolina her father glenn then working as a postman she primarily attended Catawba College in Salisbury, ma- majoring in home economics, which is interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't that was major. Could do that. <laughs> yeah, um, Sue Lynn was taking uh, summer classes at UNC. Uh, this is UNC Chapel Hill. U- yeah. Anyway, to get the remaining credits she needed for her acceptance to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. She was remembered to have quickly made friends during her stay in the city. Shortly after midday, on Friday, July 30th, 1965, Su just left class and went to speak with a friend. And later on, she then went to one of her professor- professors to ask a question. She proceeded After, like, meeting with her professor, she was in a hurry this day because she was actually headed back to her dorm to pack up her things because she actually went home on the weekends to stay with her family. She didn't stay, like, on campus. So she was trying to get back to her dorm to pack up her stuff so she didn't miss her bus back home. And in doing so, she actually took a detour through the Coker Arboretum uh, to get to her dorms it was a path that but for sued, those of
1: us that are, are not sure I uh, maybe included. What is that?
0: An arboretum is like a, um, it's like a, it's like a plant place where plants are. It's a, okay. It's like a greenhouse. Okay. Yeah. So like a giant greenhouse where they have like specific types of plants. Um, anyway, that's, that's what that is. Okay. They're beautiful. I want one. I'll never have one. Um, yeah never, never well they're quite large and anyway um da, 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 da. so it was a path that su Lin was reported to have taken often and it was a shortcut during her way making her way through the arboretum she was grabbed by an unseen assailant hiding behind the plant life where she was walking some sources say she spoke to the attacker the assailant tried to rape her under a crepe myrtle. This is me telling everybody out there that crepe myrtles are fucking terrible. They're god awful. <laughs> they're the literally the worst tree ever made. And for anyone who's like, oh my god, they're so pretty. They're so pretty. Have one right over your deck
1: in there August. Are lot, there are a lot of maintenance. Yeah. A lot fucking, of maintenance.
0: Fucking terrible. and. This fucker was trying to rape Su Lin under a crepe myrtle. So, again, another bad oh, tree's fault. Sheesh. It's that fucking tree's fault. Um, that's that's my... It is. Very
1: firm opinions on crepe myrtles. Got it.
0: I do. Watch. But Su Lin resisted the attacker. The attacker pulled out a pocket knife, stabbed her twice in the neck, once in her heart, and Su Lin collapsed, and the attacker fled with the weapon in hand
1: whoa that escalated fast
0: yeah several witnesses reported very the pocket knife with a fucking pocket knife
1: yeah wow i can't imagine i can't believe he got to her heart with that what kind of pocket Uh, knife was he holding i don't maybe it was like a rambo
0: pocket knife i don't know um yeah my pocket knife the blade's like this big
1: I mean, that's like a Swiss Army knife. I mean, you can't have a pocket knife. My husband carries one around that could definitely do some damage. But I still feel like it would be hard to stab somebody in the heart with it.
0: Yeah. Unless you get through the ribs, I guess. And I guess this person did get through the ribs. I don't know.
1: Okay. It's just... Okay.
0: Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Several witnesses... um, And, like, in this... Reports are varying between at least one student or even a nun being present. uh, Rushed over after some saw Sue Lin stumble to the walkway and collapse. So, like, some reports say it was one student. Some reports say it was a student and a nun. But I couldn't figure out, like, what was true. (laughs) So, just so you know, some people saw Sue Lin and one of them might have been a nun.
1: It's like most reports from eyewitnesses it's all over the place especially when it's from multiple people
0: exactly so when um questioning what happened to her she muttered her last words quote he tried to rape me i believe i'm going to faint unquote which so fucking sad that is so sad i think i'm gonna faint i imagine so yeah i think i think that's yeah anyway as one witness tried to help her up she fell again into a periwinkle bed at least one responding witness ran off to get help at least one other witness trying to recitate witness trying to recitate her tried to recitate her why can't i type Resuscitate. yeah or speak i can't type or speak <laughs> right. fuck man that migraine
1: we're gonna we're gonna make it
0: eventually sue lynn lost a large amount of blood and died at the scene at age
1: 21 Mm. gosh that's so young
0: yeah i know it's it's so young and like uh, to be stabbed in the heart like in the neck and in the heart it's just over
1: she held on as long as she did
0: yeah same i mean she stumbled out of there Like that, that's incredible. The police responded within minutes, barricading the area and ordering their bloodhounds to track the sense, but the killer escaped. Dozens of suspects were uh, questioned in the ensuing manhunt, ranging as far as Chicago and Texas and involving university and district police under the then chief, William D. Blake, as well as the state bureau. Scrapings were taken from Sue Lynn's fingernails and her clothes and books were sent to the bureau to check for evidence. The first person that they questioned was a black janitor who worked at Phillips Hall. He was said to have come out of the Arboretum at around the time of the murder. Police knew Evans's murder would have multiple defensive wounds, however. There was evidence that she had obviously fought somebody off, you know, skin under your nails and all that jazz. But when no cuts or bruises were found on the janitor, the police questioning didn't uncover the answers that they were looking for. The police ended up releasing him. Which, I mean, if he doesn't have the wounds, he didn't fucking do it. Like, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. The second suspect was a nearly 50-year-old looking red-headed white man seen emerging from the arboretum around the same time as the murderer. He allegedly had bloodstains on his clothes and drove off from the parking lot of the planetarium in a 1961 or 1962 Rambler. But no one could better identify this man and he was never found. This is just like food for thought or just like a little tip from anybody out there who ever sees anyone covered in blood. Maybe take a good look at that person's face. Just perhaps. Just a good, just a, oh. Mm, this is what I necessarily like.
1: try to stop him or anything, but at least get a good
0: put those peepers on that
1: person. Yeah, like put them to good use, so you can give a good description later. Yeah, although redheaded older gentlemen's inter- very interested an interesting description.
0: Yeah, I can't um,
1: imagine there's I I wouldn't think that there would be a lot of those, but
0: yeah, like a fifty-year-old, fifty-ish-looking-year-old redheaded dude covered in blood like i don't know i i don't know i'm terrible with faces and names anyway so it's true no one i wouldn't i'm like giving everybody out there advice and i'm like i don't even remember what my own face looks like half the time so i know that i'm hot but that's about (laughs) it Uh,
1: that's all that matters
0: (laughs) bingo yeah anyway i gotta stop saying anyway Around 200 men volunteered to scour the gardens for the murder weapon, which came up empty. The dean of women urged female students to never walk alone in the Arboretum. Which, okay, that is so incredibly frustrating to me. Like, when people in power put restrictions on women for, like, going out... not walking alone instead of addressing directly the victimization that men do to women and saying hey instead of giving a curfew to women we're going to give a curfew to men like it's it's so frustrating to me when they're like oh women have a curfew because there's this like murdering rapist out why don't men (laughs) why don't men have a curfew it makes no sense to me
1: that's not something we can get into on this pod that's beyond the scope of this podcast definitely beyond the scope of this episode
0: that's true i it's just it's frustrating to me like lock them up lock all the penises up <laughs> that's all i'm saying i, I don't I'm, i don't actually mean that i'm just frustrated that's all um you don't say if, if you haven't noticed The FBI was considered for the investigation, but there were no further mentions afterwards of involving them. A reward fund was uh, for information gathered by students. Eventually, amounted to as much as today's value of ten thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, so back then, students. Yeah, the students like gathered all this money. It was like
1: students ain't got any money. I don't know if you guys know this. (laughs) I've been one.
0: Here's a bunch of money. Blah blah blah. So this case is unsolved, but in recent years, it's actually gotten a bit more attention. And there's a reason for that. This is mostly because of two other murders that took place at UNC in recent years. Eve Carson and Faith Hedgepath were both murdered at unc charlotte and a lot of the times when people are talking about either eve or faith they also include like all of them they'll include all three of them because they call them like the co-ed murders uh even though they're like years apart all three of them interesting and i actually wrote up notes months and months and months ago to do the case on faith Hedgepath. um and I might still do her. The case is like. It's chilling. It's fucking chilling. It's it's awful. But her case is solved. And that's why I haven't covered her yet. So that might be one where I like cover Faith and Eve together. Because I don't actually know a lot about Eve's case. But her case yeah. is also solved. And that'll be like one where we'll just do a solved case or whatever. If anyone's interested. I think some people have already covered Faith as well. So, you know, there's that. Um, I've
1: never heard it, for what it's worth, so.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, are, are You're a- telling me anyway
1: on this podcast. Who cares about everybody else?
0: Yeah, that's true. We don't care about you listeners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we're just teasing.
0: Um, but yeah, so people, like, tie the three of them together, because they all happen on UNC Charlotte, and call it the co-ed murders, which is like... But Sue Lynn's happened in, and I guess it's a good thing, because Sue did happen in 1965, and it's still unsolved, so it kind of, like, sheds light on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyways, that are my two cases today.
1: Wow. Okay
0: both unsolved you're welcome
1: i hate it when you do the like the really old cases that are unsolved because you know the likelihood of new evidence popping up or them being able to get any kind of new information is just the chances are so slim and it just sucks because it just kind of is what it is but
0: yeah that's true and but you do see situations where especially with the advancement in technology and especially over the past 10 years you're seeing these old cold cases get solved things like you know the golden state killer getting solved due to dna in both of these cases it's acknowledged that there was dna retreat actually uh the DNA. oh yeah in both of these cases like well i say both of them i know that in Lens that they got fingernail scrapings when it comes to donna's case however I know that they did take Gregory Allen's DNA. Obviously, they already have it. Yeah. But, and there was an article talking about how the family is hoping that new DNA or DNA evidence can solve the case. But I don't, they're so close lip about it that I don't know that they actually got DNA from Donna. Okay. And my assumption is if Gregory actually did do it. They already have his dna wouldn't they compare that to it and yeah. come out and say it wasn't gregory
1: you would think but they I mean, that would make the that. most sense but yeah that does seem a little i don't want to say fishy it seems a little odd yeah it doesn't it, seem to make sense
0: it definitely does um Cause again, like if they were able to eliminate him as a suspect, they would come out and say something.
1: Yeah. And what kills me too is, is when we do cases like this, where there's just not that much information, like my case uh, for the Valentine's day um, cases that we did, that was just a few years ago. This happens so frequently and there's so little information, even today this is still happening, and there's just not any information, and they go unsolved. And you'd think in you know in today's with today's technology and the the uh, the organization that they have and, and taking care of crime scenes. I mean, I, I know it's gotten better. I just I'm still kind of I guess my my mind is still blown of of the number of cases that still go unsolved even today. And yeah. it, it just doesn't, I just feel like it should, you would think it would be better than it is, but I, that's again, that's too, we, we as human beings want, uh, some of us want progress and we want it now. We don't want progress. We want solutions. And sometimes that's just not feasible. So but
0: I've never been impatient a day. Oh, I'm the only one in this
1: relationship that's patient. <laughs> Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I totally agree. And I think, I do think that we're going to start seeing more like solutions when it comes to these types of things for a multitude of reasons. You know, number one being the advancement in technology. Number two being that there is, there's actually, there are people on the internet, web sleuths who are researching these things outside of the police department. And I think that's a really, it can be detrimental, but I also think it's been really beneficial in a lot of ways because you're putting, yeah. And you're putting like these analytical people in these positions to look at things in a critical way, instead of a police officer who's
1: without bias too. They don't have any type of bias for it because they don't There's no reason for them to. They just want, they see a problem and they want it solved. Like that's how my husband's mind works. He's not thinking about one way or another. He just wants it solved. So here's the problem. How do I solve it? That's, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen how uh, Don't F with Cats. That's a pretty good one outside of being able to see some of the video, which is heartbreaking Uh, to me because obviously I'm a cat lover. But the way that they, oh my gosh, some of the stuff that they looked into, like they hyper- analyze those videos and they were able to find information that the police just aren't going to, I mean, let's be honest. They're just, they don't have that kind of time to take a a video screen or frame by frame by frame, zoom in to different areas to be able to tell, oh, he was in an international, he was in a different country. He wasn't in America. Uh And Look at this light switch. That's not a normal light switch. That's how we know he's in a different country. And look at this poster. Oh, look at this. This means that it's probably from this country. It's, it was just mind-blowing to me the kind of stuff that they saw that I never would have seen. And I can't imagine detectives would have even been looking for And you've also got groups that are people from all over the world participating. So they may recognize something from their country or that's popular in their country that may not be in other places. So it's just fascinating. The yeah. way that that has opened the doors to those types of things, and you're right, it can be very de- detrimental sometimes, but it it can also be very helpful. And I think at some point in the future, hopefully, we'll figure out a way that we can all cooperate together yeah, and, and I agree. cooperate and get things done.
0: I will say, after watching um, the, or actually after reading, um, what's uh, what is her name? Now I can't remember her name. I have her book. Um, she covered the Golden State Killer. She passed away. Before her book was done. It was finished by...
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I don't remember. know names. You know I'm not...
0: I can't remember I can't the can name understand. of the book. Like, forgive me. It was a great book. After reading that, and then after seeing, like, Don't Fuck With Cats, I'm like, I could... In my head, I'm like, I can do this. Like, I could actually do something like this it's literally my job not not to you know search out killers not in
1: not, not in crime i'm in, not fighting in a different crime. field
0: <laughs> i'm not batman yet um
1: you have all of the memorabilia <laughs>
0: yeah i know i i my whole job is to like search out problems and then like analyze patterns and all you know all of this the other stuff so i feel like i could do something like this the problem that i have is i can't watch videos like that mm-hmm. i can't like we talk about murder on this podcast and things like that but we don't get deeply into like the gory stuff that we we could if we had the information on it we're not going to because i will legit vomit. i have
1: zero zero desire do yeah.
0: That. And this is not like we're not making this podcast for murder porn. That's, no. that's just no. Um yeah. But I feel like That's why we that. kinda
1: high level it any time we do an attack, it's they were stabbed this many times or, you know, it's very factual. We're not going to get into super gory details on anything. Yeah. Exactly. We don't want to do that so uh, hopefully you appreciate that dear listeners
0: yeah i hope so but one day i want to solve a murder (laughs) so they may come
1: it may be one of the cases that you end up covering too
0: it might be who knows podcasters are solving murders all the time nowadays it seems well what they're doing is helping to solve the murders police are never going to give them the credit that they truly deserve truly no 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 Anyways, so that's my two cases. Great job.
1: I know. Good case is fascinating, yeah. uh, a little depressing because the time frame between them is so vast, but the cases are similar in the fact that there's just not much there's, to go on yeah, on either not one much of them. To go on.
0: Except families that miss their their daughters and sisters and things like that.
1: Well, thanks, dude. Uh, you might have thrown it together, but it still worked out. So I appreciate the work that you put in. I As always,
0: yeah, uh, me too. So, where can our Tucker? I swear to God, like one day, one day, sir.
1: They can find us on Facebook and Instagram at podcast. What about email?
0: You can email us at ReaperGals at com. You can email us your social show suggestions. You can just email me so that I can talk to you. Um, If you're emailing me to uh, inquire whether we need like editing assistance or anything like that, you're going to get the funny email that I sent in response to somebody this week. Um, It's not going to be serious and you're going to be blown off. So stop doing that. We don't want your help. I'm a control freak. Montana has
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all of the things on whatever listening platform you use. Bonus points if you do it for a platform you do not currently use. Yep.
0: Well, my Extra love is your way. Well, about to- there oh she
1: is.
0: Haspen's home. Everybody have a great weekend. Love you. Love weekend. you. Bye.
1: <laughs> the will come for song.